Part of the job, dial pound 529 on your cell. Pound law, that's all. And now, now, it's the Mike Calter Show. It's 819 on the Mike Calter Show. It's 1025 The Bone. This Toto? Yes. Hold the line. Listen, Toto is good, but nothing will compare to Africa. That song has just took on a life of its own. You know why I know this song? Because it used to be... Remember when they used to sell those compilation CDs? And they'd be like, call now and you'll get a thousand classic rock songs. Turn it up, dude. Yeah, and they yeah. claim just like a little clip of this. They yeah. used to play this Toto's Holding the Line. Now that's what I call music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the studio with us, uh, former Major League pitcher and longtime friend of the show, uh, David Wells is here. It's great to see you. I didn't know you had not been in the studio before. No, dude. Pull that right close to your mouth there, will you? Uh, there you go, much better. No, man. It's, this place is badass. Now, let me can tell I you. Can I say ass? Yeah, yeah. ass you no? can say. So thank you. It, what, it depends on what context you use it. Just uh, the way you said it, it's fine. If you want to go out and get a piece of pie. You probably shouldn't say that, yeah. <laughs> you know. I was no, thinking. Pizza, as in pizza? Yeah, yeah. I love okay. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I was thinking about this. You said this when you came in. You were like, the last time I came to your house was when you, you lived in Land Lakes. And then before that was when you lived with Pete. Do you want to hear one of my most embarrassing stories ever that I've never, I don't think I've ever told? We used to get off the air in the morning, and then I'd come over and meet you, and we'd go to sushi, like, for lunch all the time. Yeah. And then we'd go back to your house, and in your house you had your own, like, sports bar in your house. And I, and I remember when you played for the Blue Jays, Labatt's used to come in and put the beer in your tap and all that. So we had beer on tap. We had 900 TVs. You had a urinal in your bathroom. It was the greatest thing ever. And then one day after lunch, Dave goes, I know. Let's go back to your house. And I was like, my house? I go, you have a sports bar in your house. Yeah, my not house, as cool. I live with Pete, and we have a PlayStation. And you were like, let's just go let's go chill out at your house. I was like, all right, let's go to my house. The day that we went to my house, I don't know if you remember this, the first time ever, we went back to my apartment when I lived in Feather Sound, and Pete and I couldn't afford to pay our electric bill, and we got in, and our power was off. Oh, <laughs> no. I was like, well, so much for hanging out here, Dave. I was like, oh, that's the worst. It's all right. The worst feeling ever. You know, you get, you get when you meet people, you get to see where their, you know, their confines are. And, you know, it's still good. Because I, I grew up, you know, half the time my mom never paid the bill. Right. So, but that said a lot about you. Here, so you and I, I felt at home. We used to go eat at the Feather Sound, that Feather Sound restaurant. It was like the Feather Sound Grill. And it was it was like one of the nicest restaurants in yeah. Clearwater, and it was right by the radio station. And we'd go there. He'd come home from from spring training. I'd be wearing shorts and stuff, and we and we'd be the two dirt bags eating in this restaurant. And the, every time we were there, there was celebrities like from Home Shopping Network and all eating there. And uh, that said a lot about you because here I was, uh, I had no money. You used to always have to pay for lunch, and my electricity was getting shut off. And mm. yet. This guy was pitching for the Yankees and was like the hottest thing in baseball and still used to just hang out with me. Didn't care about that I had nothing to offer. That's how I knew we were friends. Uh, but yeah, I think about I thought about that this morning. I was like, the one time you came to my apartment, our power was shut off. <laughs> Which is funny because it also parlays into my wife's story. Everybody's like, oh, your wife's only with you because you have money. I didn't have money. My wife was with me when the power got shut off. In fact, that time, I didn't have the money to turn it on and she paid to turn my power back on. So there's so much for that theory. I think when you met Man, I think it was over off of 19 the first time I was with you when, oh, you met her before, but met she met before. you there. Yeah. And that was like maybe your second date or whatever. Yep, yep, like, yep. I really like this chick. Uh, he had to wait until she was over 18. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Soon as oh, she graduated, though, yep. right there. Oh, he's, yeah. like, he's like that school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you living here? Do you still have a place in San Diego? 
No, nothing. So you're 100% here I now. got the hell out of that state. Awesome. Yeah, you could, that's smart. I was just there for 10 days, and uh, it's, it's you know, you go there and you're like, why did I leave? Because yeah. San Diego is so beautiful. nice. But, you know, all the mandates, all the BS, all, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a rough spot. It's a rough place to live. I don't care what you are, if you're Republican, Democrat, conservative. It's just, to me, it, it's they're a little bit step too far on the left over there. They're, oh, yeah. They talk crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I watched I watched video of these guys uh robbing the liquor store. Did you see that? They went in the middle of the day and they just crashed the thing and they started piling these and nobody could do anything about it. They just stood there and watched them do it and even a security guard was like, All right, get their license play. I, I was like losing my mind. I go, if this was my store I'd be beating the hell out of everybody but in now you can't even you can't even punish the bad people anymore. Well, well I don't know about that. I'm yeah. I'm shooting. Yeah, here here you can, sure. Here. Oh, I'm shooting everybody. Here entirely different situation. I I advise everybody to go get their CCW, carry a gun, yep. and a lot of the stuff will stop in yeah. a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, that's what we always say. I'm like, you know where that doesn't happen? Florida. No. Because yeah, you'll find a bunch of people that are defending it. Anyway, uh David Wells is here with us. And uh, this is great because Dave's here to talk about his uh, charity golf thing yeah. that you can't plan because it's already sold out. That's what happens. Uh, but there are other things you can be involved in. And a guy like me, I live on a golf course. I have a golf cart. Absolutely 100% hate golf. I don't want to play it. I've played it before. I don't like it. I don't feel challenged by it. I don't feel like I need to do it. I just don't like it at all. But I do like to hang out and drive the carts and drink. That's a fun time. So That's a uh, great time. But so. there are other things that you can do in this uh, tournament. There's going to be a concert and other stuff you can do, all to raise money, and yeah. you can be a part of. The concert part I'm in for. That I like. No, that's great. That's great because Jason Chef, uh, formerly with Chicago, he uh, when he left the band, him and Jada Marcus, who was a bass player for, uh, Rascal, for Flats. Rascal Flats, they formed a band, and they got Steve Ferroni, they got Tom Yankton, uh, Chris, I, I keep forgetting Chris's last name. Rodriguez. The, yes. And they, they formed a band, and it was great because uh, um, Dean Casanova was the, the original. Right. And then he went back to Journey. Oh, he did? Yeah, so they got Steve Ferroni, who was average white band. Right. And then, oh, nice. And then Tom Petty's drummer. drummer yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, so it, it turns out he's such a great dude. He's, you know, uh, Jason, because one of his buddies was a huge Yankee fan, uh, Steve's, and so he asked Jason, he goes, hey, you think Dave will sign a ball? And uh. and Jason says something to him, he goes, what, because cause he's got his accent, I don't know if he's, like, English or whatever. He goes, what, because I'm black? <laughs> and I go, that's exactly <laughs> why I'm not signing <laughs> black and all that. And it, it was just a great setting, and Steve... So I, I signed some stuff for him, and we talk about but we always bring that up. And he's like, you're throwing the race card at me, aren't you? I go, yes, I am. <laughs> he, but it, this, was a great, this is a great idea for a band because I don't know what happened with Jason Sheff in Chicago, uh, but he was, he was the new guy in Chicago, and then he was in it forever, and he had all these hit songs with 33 them. 33 years, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden he's out of the band. And you have a guy that has all that talent, and he's and he plays instruments and all that. So he gets together with other guys, and they create a band. But now you have them doing songs from Chicago. You have them doing songs from Rascal Flatts. You have them doing songs from Journey. And now they have their own music. Uh, the band's called Generation Radio. Yeah. And they are playing the night before the golf. Or yeah, the night, Friday the night. night. Before, yeah, yeah Friday the 7th, night. yeah. And uh, you can go, and there's uh, dinner, and, and you can get tickets there. Now it's for it's for charity. What charity is it for now? It's for I, I started out with Navy SEALs and military for traumatic brain injuries. Right. So we we raised money and a buddy of mine, Nick Norris, who 
was the first guy that I got the treatments for. And I, so I got him the treatments. I, I go up to Michigan, up to the ranch. I'm hunting, so I go out for the afternoon hunt. I'm sitting up in my tree stand, and my phone rings. And I, I had a few deer coming out, and the wind's blowing pretty hard. So I said, you know, I'm going to answer it. And, I, and it was Nick. And I go, Nick, what's up? He goes, hey, Dave, how you doing? I go, good. I'm up in my tree stand. And he goes, he goes man, I just want to thank you. I want to – I go, for what? He goes, for saving my life. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. He goes, I just finished the treatment. Oh, that's great. And he goes, about seven weeks ago, I was contemplating taking my life. Oof. And, man, I, here I am, a grown-ass man up in a tree crying mm-hmm. my eyes out. And so it was great. So we got a lot of guys through the program doing that, and it's just – but it works, and these are non-surgical, non. Uh, there's no meds uh, you take. It's like basically sitting in this dentist chair, right. and they've got these two big magnets, and they just go around their brain, and it's just and it works, and it brings it back. And I was just like, yeah. But now they're doing other methods. They're doing like the microdosing, which is really huge. Doing yeah. that and the psychotherapy and getting all that. So a lot of these guys that that aren't hardcore out there that need those types of, you know, you uh, chill all that uh that work on them it's 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 pretty amazing then you can have your wife or your your girlfriend whoever there with you as as well i i think that uh i think part of your giving back is because like you said the way the way you're brought up when you when you're brought up poor or where you're brought up where you're just not the same way as you are now you have a a responsibility when you're in a good spot to be like, all right, I'm here now. Now I need to help other people. And I, I don't know about you, but I could never be in the military. I don't even, I mean, like, if I had to go fight, I could probably fight, but I don't want to do all the running and all that other stuff. It's really, <laughs> but like, I'm kind of glad that people, like, I, my level of fame is good that nobody's ever going to ask me to go entertain the troops. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to be like, because if they did, I would go. But I don't really have anything to offer them, so I feel like I'm safe over here. You know what I mean? I got offered a few times to go over there, and, yeah. and Nina's like, you're not going over there. <laughs> it's scary. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm going to be the most well-protected guy <laughs> yeah. over in Iraq or Afghanistan. I'm going to be the most protected guy. Yeah. I think it would be cool just to go hang out with all Because, shoot, I played on 19, so there's a lot of guys that are you know baseball fans that yeah. you know their teams. Yeah. Oh, my thing. Yeah, and they just want a little bit of home. You know what I mean? So, oh, exactly. But my thing is. Did uh, you really play on 19? Teams or is that just an exaggeration? And three of them twice. Really? Let me, all right, let me try and name them. Let me try and name them. The Yankees, yeah. the Blue Jays, the Reds, uh, uh, don't tell me, um, the Padres, the, uh, oh man, I'm only at four out of them. I nine. know. Uh, I mean, I could just start wailing on names. Too. Oh, the White Sox. Right. Uh, the Red Sox. Yep. Six. Uh, ooh, God, I think that might be it. Bad news, Bears. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait. Uh, so you won World Series with the Yankees, the Reds, no, and, the, the Reds I mean, the, and the Blue Jays. Reds were one. And the Blue Jays. No, Toronto and New York. Right. So what was that? So what am I living? What am I living on? I think you're at seven. Yeah. Because you said the Reds. And, I said the Reds, and that's in there. So seven. So what did I miss? Baltimore. Baltimore. When was that? Ninety six. Oh, that was before I knew. And then, uh, and that was the Jeffrey Mare catch. That little punk ass kid <laughs> <laughs> uh, leaning over the fence there, right field. Uh, Actually, I just saw he, he put his glove up for auction. Oh, really? Yeah. So that that he caught the ball with, and then the Dodgers, my last team. Oh, the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's a that's a that's a good that's a good run. And then I played with with New York, Toronto, and San Diego twice. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Um, 
But that's, that's amazing. Is that enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I mean, because nine seems like a lot of teams. I thought you were just saying, I played like nine different teams, like exaggerating, but you actually played for nine different teams. No, that's crazy. That's I, a long, I, a long I, career, though. And I think Kenny Lofton played on nine teams as really? well. So him and I are like, we were... We were battling to see how many teams we could play for. <laughs> and we were good players. I mean, Kenny Lofton was no slide. He was a stud. But, uh, yeah, I just, he, he was like me. He never, he spoke his mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they don't like that. So, oh, whatever. yeah. Well, okay, so besides New York and San Diego, what, were your, what was your favorite team to play for? Detroit. 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 Sparky Anderson. Oh, that's why. Greatest yeah. manager ever. Was Sparky the one that got you into, that got you serious? Yeah, well, he 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 pulled me aside and he basically says, "Listen, you got to man up. You got to be a man. You can't go out there and bitch and complain and moan on the mound and all that." Because stories were that if you're in there, if you're on the mound looking in the dugout when you're getting your butt handed to you, he's going to come out and get you, and the next day you might be in Double A. Uh, oh, <laughs> he doesn't uh, care who you are. Uh -huh. He just wanted you to be accountable. Uh -huh. So he kind of taught me the ropes and. You know, and, and it worked, and I, I really, really thank him to this day because he, you know, and he taught me how to pitch. He goes, if you want to learn how to pitch, you go sit next to Kirk Gibson, you go sit next to Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, and talk to them about hitting, you know, and and ask them questions. And yeah. I did. And then every team that I went to, I would ask guys on the team, you know, if I'm pacing you right now, what are you looking for? Right. That's how you learn how to pitch. Now today they hand you a little card, you put it in your <laughs> and you, oh, that's pigeon. how you do it. Yeah. It's, it's all scripted or whatever. Uh, that's why it's hard for me to watch baseball. I I gotta tell you, I, you know how what a big Yankee fan I was, and you're uh, not anymore. I don't really watch baseball anymore. Like even now with the Yankees in the run and Aaron Judge and all that, I just can't get into it. It's just too. I mean, think about it. When you wow, you were the biggest Yankee whore of all time. I, I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, but but when you think about when you were playing, okay. I had, I had you, I had Jeter, I had Tino, I had Paul O'Neill, I had uh, Chuck Knobloch, I had, like, I had all these, I had, uh, uh, what's his name, Giambi, like, I had all these great players for so many years on the team uh, that was, you know, not to mention the pitchers and all that with Rivera and, and then with... Uh, Pettit. Uh, yeah, Pettit and, and, and even the Clemens years, like, I had all these great years to watch and then all of a sudden it just became... A bunch of kids that I didn't, I couldn't get behind. Like, I, it's not bad. It's just me. I changed. I, you know what I mean? I just got, I, I, I think when Jeter retired from baseball, I was kind of like, I, that was my last guy that I cared about. You got old. I got old. You that got really old. is what happened. I got old. You got old, but, oh, you know, man. but it, it's, it's crazy because I went up to New York about a month ago. First time I've been up there in a long time. And I was at the stadium doing a couple uh, appearances. And I never watched any of the of the game. I was just in there entertaining people, yeah. you know, taking pictures, signing autographs, and stuff like. That. And it was great, but the buzz is still there. I mean, people are going nuts. But it's a it's a younger generation because when I was in New York, I'm like there was barely any old people yeah. left. They were all young, and it's like wow. But I I never went out because it's it's eerie. It's up hard there. there. It's yeah, really eerie. Um, let me ask you: In all your years of playing, anybody anybody ever charged a mount on you? None. None. Right. None. And I hate guys on purpose. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, know you were. I know you did your part, but nobody ever charged back. Like, no. Have you ever? You ever hurt anybody? Um, I did. I broke. Um, <laughs> I think JD Drew's wrist, uh, but that was actually he's a good guy. He was you did it by guy. accident. Yeah. Accident. Do you call him and apologize after? Oh, that? I did. I went over there. Yeah, to see because it was just one of those things that you just you know you, you feel really bad. I think I hit. Uh, 
Mike McFarlane, he was with the Royals. Right. And I hit him in the head. Oh, I domed him good. Why, did it get away from you or you yeah. did it on purpose? Yeah, oh, I just, yeah, I tried to come in and I just tried to overthrow and I domed him. And so he went, he had a concussion. I was really concerned. I called over there. And the next time we faced him, you know, <laughs> I think it was in Kansas City. And I just looked at him. He was at the mount. He was at the plate. I looked. At, I just kind of did one of these, and he hit a home run off me. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. So I felt so good that he hit a home run off me. Right. And when he rounded third, he just looked at me and he kind of tipped his cap. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're good. Even Stevens. <laughs> yeah. Even Stevens. Yes. Yeah, so what did that feel like? I watched this, the highlight last night. It was the Yankees and the Rays, and then the final inning, uh, the Yankees hit a grand slam, walk off grand slam, and they showed the the dude hit the ball. Donaldson hit the ball, and then just swung the bat. He knew instantly it was a home run. And then the opposite reaction from the pitcher, he just was like, damn it. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> that feeling... Oh, it sucks. I, I mean, imagine... I could just imagine that walk of shame off the field after you just gave up a game-winning walk-off grand slam. That's right. got to be the worst feeling ever. It is the worst feeling. Anything like walk-off is is just like, what do you do? You're mm-hmm. like, you know, now I'm the GOAT. But to me, I didn't really care. You know, it's a bad feeling. You feel bad for the guys, but, you know, it's not like you're out there trying to do it. But, you know, him flipping the bat like that, I have never had a problem with a guy if it was a walk-off or yeah. or something like that, and they're celebrating. It was good by me, but if you did it during the game, oh, yeah. you're going to get one in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> but now nowadays, they don't do that. They, it's just like they, they, you know, it's it's... It's hard to watch when these guys you protect your your teammates. Oh, I remember you. I remember. Uh, I think it was Jeter who got hit in the playoffs uh, towards the end of the season, and the guy. And then the first game, that guy, uh, the first guy got out the bat, and you wailed the first guy. I mean, it waited a whole off season to hit them again. I oh, mean, yeah. Like most of the time, you're like, <laughs> oh well, we won the World Series, let it go. But it was a first game of spring training and you just wailed the guy right in the thigh and I went, man, he remembered all the way from last season. You do. You file those things. Yeah. I, I, I remember we were we were playing the Orioles and uh, and I, I think a Doug Linton was pitching and we were I was with Toronto and <laughs> up in Toronto and Carlos Delgado, Sean Green Everyone was getting drilled. Yeah. And and Doug Linton came up with this in the Blue Jay organization, so he knew these guys. He was just hitting guys left and right, and I just, you know, and I, and I went up to Delgado. I said, Delgado, I was at Purvey. He goes, yeah, I think this one was. So I go, good. That's all I need to know. Uh-huh. And my rule of thumb was hit the first guy that comes up and just end it. Right. Albert Bell. <laughs> and I'm going... Oh, this is going to get interesting. <laughs> so first thing, first pitch, right in his rib cage, just smoked him. The, and I'm just getting ready for this big old brawl because uh, he's a big boy. Does he give you the look? And he just he dropped his bat. He just looked at me, and he just slowly walked to first base. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just kept watching. You never turn your back. <laughs> right, yeah. And I'm going, oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. And he gets on first, and I'm like, Whew. I think the next – Couple pitches, whatever. I got him to hit into a double play. Uh, so I got my back. So I got, I'm facing him at second base now because he's got to run across into the dugout. Right. He goes in the dugout and grabs Doug Litton by his throat and starts shooting. <laughs> you, because you did he, this. Yeah. Because you did this. You started this. I'm like, well, because you know what? Albert Bell was a, he was a smart player. Yeah. He was a good player, smart player, knew the game, but he was kind of a dick because, you know, he get, 
he ground out of what he'd run halfway down the to left field and then just drop his helmet yeah. and leave it there and have the first base coach go get it or the bat boy and it just yeah. kind of stuff like that it was just it sucked but what a player he was uh, uh, David Wells is here in the studio with us uh, Dave is a longtime friend of mine and of the show he's got a charity event that's happening uh, in Innisbrook we're going to tell you about that here in a minute and how you can be involved the golf is sold out but there's other things you could be involved in. Uh, did you watch the uh, the Captain series on ESPN? Somebody called me and says, "Hey, you're on ESPN on the Captain." Mike, the Captain. What's the Captain? Yeah. And they're like, "It's Derek Jeter's thing. It's like the like the dance, right?" With, with Michael Jordan. I'm like, so I turned it on, and it just happened to be that when he was talking about me. Yeah. I think because when. He, so what was the story? There was supposedly a beef between the two of you. There was not a beef. It right. was, and I, I think they shot, and I don't know if that was the clip from that game, but. I just threw the perfect game, and then my next game, I, I was in the seventh inning, I think. I had another perfect game going on. Yeah. And what happened, I, Derek lost it in life, but I, I don't know if that was the play. I got I to gotta go back and look, or somebody can pull it up. And the ball was hanging in the air forever. And that one that they showed on, on the, on the uh, captain was Ricky Lede, and I don't know who was in center, and the ball was up there for like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then they all looked at it and drop, and I threw my hands up. Yeah, yeah. And I was pissed, yeah. and rightfully so. so. That ball should have been caught. And and so I guess Derek, Derek came in and he goes, hey, we don't play that crap around here. He said to you, "Yeah, and I, 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 I totally understood it, and, I, and it was great." But what do you mean? He but said no, I mean, I probably said, "Get your ass back to shortstop." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he probably forgot to leave that one out. He but. was letting you know that they didn't. It certainly wasn't on purpose that they didn't. You know, like, yeah, but yeah. I was frustrated, right. and you know, he and that's you know, I kind of showed him up. But then again, I think that ball. I mean, these guys are professionals. Right. And somebody needs to take charge and get that. And Derek wasn't in charge of that one. It was Ricky Lede, and he was. He was a rookie. He was yeah, a young guy. A young so, kid. so it was just something like that. But no, but Derek, you know, you got to respect it because, you know, he was a captain. Yeah, he's a young kid. I'm a veteran guy, but you still respect that. You know, you're whoever's the captain. Right. And he ran the team well. And he was he was a great one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. Who was some of the worst teammates you ever had? Dwayne Ward <laughs> sucked. And we came up in Toronto. We got they had to. We were roommates, and they had to split us up because we got in a fight every night. <laughs> Why? Because he was a dick. Yeah. Just, 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 I'm sure it's his fault. It, 100% uh, everything. He was just an aggro guy. He was from New Mexico. That's probably was why he's at. Right, right. But uh, but yeah, he just he was just he was a punk. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, Kurt Schilling. You know, we were he he wasn't a bad teammate, but. He when, just, when did you play with him? At the Red Sox? Yeah, with the uh-huh. Red Sox. I mean, hell of a pitcher. Yeah. But I just, you know, we got along at times, but just he got away with so much stuff and and all that. It just, just didn't fit. And a lot of the guys saw it and they're just like. Like what? Like what do you but, mean? But he just, he didn't treat everybody. Okay. You know, it's like Joe Torre. Yeah. Joe Torre didn't, he treated the guys that he wanted to treat and he, had he pissed on the other, yeah, other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, to me, is that's a bad teammate. Did Joe Torre not like you? As one of his favorites, because uh, I've heard him complain several times about when it was your day to play music, you used to always play Metallica and stuff, and it just to drive him crazy. No, I did that. I started that in Detroit. Right. So I would put on the Black Album in Detroit every five days, and we always stretched inside the clubhouse there. So it was great. Whoever star- whoever's a starter, they got to play the music. Right, right, right. And nobody bitched him. It was just a thing to do. And so Joe would just, he would get mad, but... I always did it when they were out for for batting practice. Right. But so, Joe would always come in, 
Then he would turn the music down. So I'd go right back there and turn it up. And we'd just get in that war. And I'm like, if you, do you want to win today? And he goes, yeah. I said, then leave the damn music alone. You know, and I just would go after him. But he he favored so many guys. And I, and I like Joe. I mean, yeah. I, I years when I was with TBS, I'd bash his ass mm-hmm. I'm as much as I could. And they were like, hey, you know, you want to tone it down a little bit? I'm like, no. Who wants you to tone it down, TBS? Yeah. Well, but, the, but don't they understand that people want to hear? That's ratings. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. People want to hear the... The real stories, the inside stuff, like right. uh, that. Nobody wants to hear the same old cookie cutter, monotone. All right, now three, three balls, two strikes. You know, right. you want, you want to hear somebody who's been there tell some stories. Well, that's uh, why like uh, Shaq and Charles Barkley oh, do best. so well now. Yeah. yeah, because they're guys who played and they speak their mind and do it like that. Yeah, but not everybody wants to hear that. I guess. Yeah. No, because I, I remember I got in trouble <clears throat> years ago. It was. We were, it was in a game, it was in the old Tiger Stadium, and the headphones, I sat at the end of the dugout, and the headphones were on. So I put them on, and I'm, I'm listening to the, the commentators going on. So here's a mic. I grabbed the mic. I started doing interviews. <laughs> I, and this was, shoot, this was back in early 90s. Right. And then I remember late going forward in, I think, 2002 or whatever, we're in at uh, Comerica, and, there was, and Gibby was up in the booth. And I put the headphones on. I started talking, uh-huh. and I got in a lot of trouble for that. Sure, yeah. You know, they're like, "Hey, how, why? Are you, what are you doing? You can't talk." <laughs> and now they're doing. So I guess I started that. You started the trend. Yeah, the, yeah. the trend of that because now it's it's a common thing. That's so funny. everywhere. But back when I did it, it was, it was just like anything David Wells does. Right. You can't do it. But, <laughs> but Cowhead, uh, yeah. you know, you can go do it. It's like you're you're cool to do it. And I'm like, you know, kiss my butt, shallow uh, uh, guns. This is listen. You want good stories. You want to hear about things. Dave wrote a book uh, called "Perfect I'm Not." That was such a good. You know, I have you signed a book to me that is my favorite thing. Is he wrote the book and then got fined a hundred thousand dollars writing the book. One hundred sixty. <laughs> so you signed my book. You were like, "To Cowhead, enjoy your hundred thousand dollar book." <laughs> uh, you want to hear some good stories? There's some great stuff in there, including the uh, the night before the perfect game and all that yeah. stuff, and all the rumors, the Babe Ruth hat, and all these things. That I, I'll tell you, I don't know if you know this, but um, we've been friends a long time, and this is how it went down. I was in Miami preparing to move back here to Tampa, and you uh, had just been traded to the Yankees, and the girl, I think it was Jeannie Most from CNN, was doing a report on you being an old-school baseball player, loving the Yankees your whole life, and now playing for New York. And I'm listening to it in the background as I'm listening. I'm, I giggled a couple of times at some things you said or whatever. And they're like, Wells, who has long time suffered from the gout, uh, from sometimes caused by excessive drinking of beer and carrying on or whatever. And at the end, yeah, at the end, <laughs> they go, uh, they, she closed the story. When I asked Wells, uh, what's going to happen when the uh, beer gets to be too much? And Wells said, I don't know. Maybe I'll switch to vodka. <laughs> and I, I stop and I turn. And I look at the TV. I go, "This guy's going to be great." I thought it was the best. Two weeks later, I'm in Ebor City, and I and I turn around and you and Hans are at the bar leaning against the bar. And I was like, "Oh, that's the dude that just saw on CNN." I just boldly walked up and I was like, "What's up?" Started talking to you. You talked back. We exchanged phone numbers. And uh, next thing you know, you were calling in the show on your way into work, and I was like, "This this was the best ever!" But like, just by chance, you know what I mean? Half the time, hung over. Yeah, I like, yeah. I think we were in Ebor like four days out of the week. Oh no! Did, Every like I Tuesday. Tell you, there, I if if I ever have long term like a mental disorder or kidney problem, <laughs> that's on you for this one because you were such a you were such a bad 
influence because you'd be like, Wednesday nights, Green Iguana was the place to be in Ebor, right. and you'd be like, come on, we're going to Green Iguana. I'm like, Dave, I got to be at work at 6 o'clock. I got to like get up at 4, and you were like, we'll go for an hour. We'll go for like two hours. It was never that. It was oh, There were so many times I'd have to go straight from Ebor City straight to work, and then like on commercial breaks, I would go in a room, and I would just try to sleep for four minutes, just try to get it all out of my system. <laughs> oh, it was those days. I don't know. I think about it now. Like, if you tell me... That there's a concert on a Wednesday night, it's got to be like a top three band of all time for me to go because I won't even leave the house anymore. Oh. To think that I used to go out until two o'clock in the morning uh, and then go to work is I don't know how I ever did it. You're old now. Oh my so, god! Let me tell you something. They last like if I if I have a big night, it's like three days. Yeah, literally three days to recoup from it. Yeah, but being back in Florida, you can just go outside for. You know, go walk one mile and come back, and you're you're back to par. Yeah, because it's so are, hot, you sweat you it sweat out. Sweat it all. You were yeah, much yeah. more fun when you were fat. Because <laughs> fat, the worst part about it when you were fat is we'd have to try and find food at two o'clock in the morning. Then you go through phases where you're like, oh no, I'm on a diet. I'm working out. I'm doing good. And then I went to go see you in New York one time, and we're like, hey, we're gonna go here, here, and here. And I was like, all right, cool, get cab. And you're like, no, no, we're gonna walk. I'm like, walk. <laughs> I mean, we we would walk. Like four miles, then we'd we'd be cutting through department stores. And all, and I was like, I don't like Skinny David. This is an entirely different situation, man. I, it would be thirty degrees, and I'd be sweating in in the city. Uh, listen, We're playing for the tie. Oh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. If you want to be involved in this charity event, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you who it benefits. I'm going to tell you who the sponsors are and what you can do. I'm going to be out there, and uh, some real celebrities are going to be out there. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Dave. We'll talk about this. You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Is isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.